Angus at Work, a podcast for the profit-minded cattlemen. Brought to you by the Angus Beef Bulletin, we have news and information on health, nutrition, marketing, genetics, and management. So let's get to work, shall we? Hello and welcome to Angus at Work. I'm your host, Casey Brown. Today we're going to be a little forward-thinking, but don't worry, you'll still hear plenty of practical applications too. Think back to those pictures of belt buckle cattle in the 50s, and then those tall calves you couldn't see over in the 70s. We've obviously made a lot of genetic change rather quickly, but on the other hand, have we made those same strides in our understanding of nutrition? I sat down with Brian Frazier with ADM to talk about precision nutrition, how that can be a game changer, and how to optimize nutrition now. So let's dig in. Good morning. Welcome. Um, morning. Tell me a little bit about your background with the beef industry. So I grew up on a farm in uh, South Central Kansas, Southwest Wichita. Um, grew up raising Simmentals, so we've we've That's made right. the conversion. They're all black. <laughs> they're all crossed with Angus now. So um, I moved home about four years ago to take over my family's commercial Sim Angus operation. We've got we do just enough uh, seed stock, flushing cows, stuff like that to to uh, run up a pretty decent bill, but not a huge one. But uh, we, we're primarily a, a Simangus cow-calf operation now. So got uh, got a five-year-old and a 18-month-old at home. So um, hey, too. <laughs> my, my five-year-old is uh, desperate to start showing cattle, which uh, is is exciting and, and terrifying all at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> is it a, is your five-year-old a boy or a girl? Boy, yep. Right. Five-year-old's a boy and 18-month-old girl. That's exactly like mine. <laughs> she, she's 18 months going on 18 years. She's, she's a little adult for her, her little, little body. <laughs> um, how did you decide to specialize in nutrition? Tell me about your interest and kind of how that started. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a funny story. I don't know that it, it, uh, I'm not sure what it says about me, but I was in, uh, I was in college and I had a cousin who's a good friend of mine and he was in extension and I thought that was really cool that he got to you know give people recommendations and make make suggestions and stuff and then about that same time um, K-State came out with some research and it was feeding feeding commodities to, to cheapen up, up uh, rations and all that sort of stuff and, and we adopted that some stuff and I was like well that's you know that sounds kind of cool I wouldn't mind being one of those people that that gets to tell people how they can do things better, cheaper, you know, be more profitable, all that stuff. And uh, so I saw my cousin doing that stuff as a county extension agent, and I thought that was really cool. And I went and spent a day with him, and we didn't do anything with cattle that day. It was, we were checking on worms and apple trees, and and I was like, whoa, I better rethink this because I'm not interested in worms and apple trees and stuff like that. So I, I did a little research, I was like, I need to specialize a little bit. So I got a master's degree. and. Uh, I got my master's degree and I was like, that's pretty cool. I really like this. And so then I went ahead and, and I was like, you know, I want to, I, I really enjoy that. So I, I decided I wanted to get a PhD in it. So I, once I'd, once I'd gone down that rabbit hole about as far as I could with a PhD, then I was, uh, time to go to work and start paying off student loans. It is amazing how many career options there are within mm-hmm. ag. Um, you can grow up on a farm and still be involved with cattle and but there's there's so many options out there yep. that's pretty cool yeah everybody gives me a hard time because my hobby and my my job are, are almost completely overlapping so <laughs> you're like you talk about cattle all the time what do you do for fun i'm like i mean cattle <laughs> yeah we'll go to a cattle show or a cattle sale that's fine <laughs> it just means that you made the right choice right <laughs> awesome um so tell me um we met last year at ncba and um you shared some really great information that 
I've still kept with me um, about amino acids and protein and mm-hmm. and how they how they work. Can you share that again? Sure. So so amino acids are the building blocks of protein. So all proteins are made up of of the different amino acids, and you know whether it's heart tissue, uh, longissimus muscle, uh, intestinal tissue, all of those things are different different proteins with different combinations of amino acids to to achieve the uh, different tissues and stuff so um, what what we've done nutritionally and and the the term we use at ADM that we're kind of gearing our programs around is is precision nutrition so when when you feed something to the animal it's in there for a reason to serve a purpose and and not you know no fluff no no waste or anything like that and so um, that's kind of how we've approached the amino acid thing is is can we get certain micronutrients like amino acids that the animal needs that rather than feed it a lot of protein that then the the rumen microbes have to break down and the 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 amino acids all have to be torn apart and put back together can we be more efficient by feeding the amino acid the specific amino acids the animal needs that bypass the rumen and go straight to to uh you know muscle accretion or something like that and so when we're able to do that we get a a we let those animals achieve their genetic potential and and right now with the explosion in in all the the dna technology and stuff like that our, our genetics are moving at warp speed and our nutritional programs are more or less the same as they've been for the last 30 40 50 years and so our our genetic progress is outpacing our nutritional progress by uh, i mean light years and so we're we're constantly trying to play catch up trying to figure out how we can get more out of these um you know new genetic freaks that we're raising compared <laughs> to even just 20 years ago so um our product that we we do that was amino gain we do a lot of bull development it's it's one of those things that works on all cattle because i don't think we've ever I, even you know common cattle today have a lot more growth potential than cattle did 20 30 years ago and so it, it works on on all the cattle we're, that, that we feed it to um in a growing and developing phase and then when you start doing it with bulls and, and and females and stuff like that, it's just it's just amazing because then you're working with the the elite of the elite and the genetic deal, and, and you can really see those cattle pop and respond when they get the the nutrition that they they don't otherwise get. Oh, that's that's really interesting. I love the term that you called precision nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like we're we're getting more. Precision ag is nothing new, especially on the crop side, but we're getting more into precision livestock. Yep. Um, and and that's kind of a whole new frontier, which is yep. really exciting. Um, tell me a little bit about um, how, can you dig a little deeper? How, how do you get so precise with nutrition? Um, so, uh, uh, and, and it gets really complicated because the animal is, is it, it, their capacity to to produce the nutrients they need, even if you don't feed it to them, is amazing. You know, I mean, if you short an animal on calcium or phosphorus for a while, that you know, a cow can mobilize calcium and phosphorus out of her bone to help bridge the gap in a short-term deficiency or something. So, it, it gets really difficult, and that's why you really, to see it, you really end up needing to push these animals to to the limit of their genetic potential, because if you've got an animal that has the capacity to gain five pounds a day, but you're only feeding it prairie hay and 20% cubes it's you know we're obviously not tapping into that potential so that's that's one of the challenges is is to be able to to push those animals to their genetic potential Um, but even then within that the the struggle that we have is you know we've got two or three years of research on some um, you know 
pretty good genetically certified or genetic, genetically known red Angus cattle and uh, feeder calves. And the challenge becomes we can take that information, but then does it apply to all the cattle in 100,000 head feed yard? And so that, that's where it gets tricky is we, we need to know the genetic capabilities of those cattle to know whether it's worth the extra effort, the extra investment to, to get the most out of them. And so it, it's, it gets really complicated because especially when you get to these minute details, it's not one of those things you're going to see every single time you feed a set of cattle. And so part of it is figuring out, and, and even different stages of production, like with the amino acids, it works amazing in growing and developing cattle up to say 1,000, 1,200 pounds, something like that, because you're putting down so much more muscle, you're there growing at such a rapid pace. Um, but if you did the exact same trial, say from 1,000 to 1,400 pounds, you're not going to see near as big of a response. And so, you know, historically, especially with the cattle industry, we've been you know, if you've got a square peg in a round hole, all you need is a bigger hammer and, you know, <laughs> it'll go. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's, that's how we, you know, we got 50 or 100,000 head in the feed yard. There's six rations or eight or 12 or whatever it is. But I mean, they all get the same series of them, even if some of them aren't necessarily capable of, of converting it and stuff like that. So, so the challenge is not only figuring out which cattle will respond to some of these micronutrients, but it's then even those cattle may only respond at a you know, up to 800 pounds or something like that. So that w when we get to precision, precision nutrition and trying to feed every animal um, to its capability, the, the trade-off is going to be you've got to, it's going to take more effort too. And so that, that's where it gets really hard is when you're trying to manage large, large numbers, you know, I mean, how many rations is feasible? Because, mm -hmm. you know, there's only so many hours in the day to get the cattle fed. So that, that's where a lot of this stuff gets, gets tricky. Um, not only on the, the research side to figure out what, when, and where, but then can we practically get that into the, the real world and get it to, to, to not only applied, but show a response there too. So um, that's just, it's the, it's the fun part and the challenging part to make sure that, that it, it, what we know happens, happens when we go to do it. It's lots of pieces to that puzzle. It, it, it's Mother Nature had a lot of time on her hands when she made some <laughs> of these systems, and we don't, we're, we're just scratching the surface of how to figure out some of it. Cool. <laughs> That's a good way to put that. Um, what kind, especially with right now, a lot of producers are dealing with drought or input costs are so high, and so we're, we're, having to find alternative ways to keep our cattle fed mm -hmm. what kind of solutions um, does ADM provide that can help kind of round out those sure. those new rations yep so so one of the things we try to do is make sure that when we're working with our customers that everything we do has a purpose you know again kind of that precision ag deal and so you know range mineral is kind of the foundation of our program for cow calf operations and so you know we want to make sure we're not only filling all of the holes nutritionally that the forges provide um, but but making sure that we um, get as much out of it as possible we just had a, a talk yesterday with with one of the company that supplies ingredients for us and and their research shows that uh, with the trace minerals that we utilize um, they get a two percent increase in forage digestion which doesn't sound like a lot but by the same token if you lost those two percent on every mouthful of, of forage a cow eats especially when forage is limiting it, you know every bite counts um, you know, so we've got other additives in our mineral that also maximize forage digestibility and stuff. So, you know, if, if when we combine those, we can get 20 to 25% more 
energy extracted from every bite of forage they take that that's that much especially when things get critical it's, it's either more production when there's plenty of grass or it's more production out of the very little bit of grass we have when we're trying to make sure we get everything we possibly can so to me that's the biggest thing um right now is with input costs where they're at with with scarcity of rain and, and forage in places is is when we do something it needs to have a purpose and fill in that gap and and not let uh you know too much of the wrong thing doesn't doesn't help doesn't get us where we're trying to get to so we need to make sure that everything we're doing has a purpose because everything is so expensive that's perfect um where where are some resources that cattlemen can reach out to and learn some more about this sure you got your local extension offices there's there's good consultants out there um and I don't know that everybody does this, but our our company, we spend a lot of time training our sales reps to have, you know, more nutritional knowledge than, than some people learn even with a master's program or something. So we try to make sure that that every time we approach customers, we want to be very solution oriented. You know, we, we, we have trainings and everything to say, you know, don't go in there thinking you're going to sell this customer amped mineral because... The, the important thing is you talk to them, you find out what their needs are, what their resources are, and make sure that, that what we're positioning for them is going to fit their operation best. And so um, I guess that's what I would say is, is don't be afraid to ask ask questions of, of anybody that you come across, your feed store, um, extension agents, county extension agents. They they may have to worry about worms and apple trees, but they also have, <laughs> have good resources, especially if they're passionate about, you know, um, cattle and stuff like that. So. So, but I, I guess the main thing I would tell somebody is just don't be afraid to ask, ask questions, look for the information. There's, there's lots, you, you know, there's lots of information out there. It's, it's a hard, harder to sort through what, um, applies to you or what, what you might be able to, to make work. But, um, and, and the other thing I would say is, and this is something we deal with is when we're out talking to customers or, or talking to prospects or something, we say, you know, when we're asking questions, um, everybody's reluctant to share information and stuff like that but when when I'm working with a client the the solutions I can provide are only as good as the as the information I have to work with mm -hmm. so if, if you're if you're not telling somebody the whole picture or 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 willing to admit what some of your problems that you're trying to face are um, it's gonna be harder to find solutions for it and so I, I've had customers that you know the first couple times I met with them started working with them um, they told me one thing and we're fixing that and, you know once we've got a good relationship and trust built up then then we then I realized hey there was a lot more to this that that you didn't share right off the bat and I'm and I think part of that's human nature but by the same token if you've if you've got somebody that you're working with um again that they the, the the solution you'll get is only as good as the information you you provide to it so um again don't don't be afraid to admit hey I got a problem here and if I can't uh if I'm not willing to admit that I've got a problem, it's going to be hard to help, hard to find the people that can help me out with a solution. Right, absolutely. And I think that's a, a perfect way to wrap up our time. But I always like to end a podcast with some good news because mm -hmm. we all know the cattle business is really the people business, right? Yep. Yep. So, what is something good that has happened to you, either personally or professionally? So, uh, right now we're here in beautiful, warm southern Texas and Houston, and we're finally getting some snow. We haven't had any moisture in South Central Kansas since early October, so um, I think there's about six inches of snow on the ground, so I'm I'm happy about that. I, I feel a little bit guilty that, that uh, one of my neighbors is having to take care of my cows in this mess, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm glad we're getting some moisture. And, and my wife told me the other night that our 18-month-old daughter uh, 
came and pulled on her arm and had her sleep sack and her bottle in her hand and oh. said, up, mama, night, night. And that meant she <laughs> wanted to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And she has been a chore to get to sleep and to go to bed for the her little 18-month-old uh, <laughs> life. And so um, I guess it happened while I was out of town. I don't know what that exactly means, but, she, <laughs> but we're, we're getting closer to a peaceful end to the day. Nice. And that <laughs> is worth its weight in gold. <laughs> Oh, I love that. So thank you again for your time. Thank you for your your insight and your expertise. Listeners, to get more information to help make Angus work for you, check out the resources to our print Angus Beef Bulletin and our digital Angus Beef Bulletin Extra in our show notes. We want to hear from you. Let us know your ideas and comments at abbeditorial at angus.org. And be sure to rate this podcast and share this episode with any other profit-minded cattlemen. Thanks for listening to Angus at Work.